Welcome back everyone to our High Five, where we're gonna highlight five awesome things that are happening in the life of our church. So let's jump into it. Up at number five, we're celebrating Jesse and how God is moving in his life. This past Thursday night, he was baptized at our Bedford outpost and it was a beautiful celebration of his faith in Jesus. Way to go, Jesse. This high five goes out to you today. Up at number four, here in the month of October, our Franklin and Concord outposts participated in some big fall events in their cities. They served crowds of people in clever costumes with tons of candy. What a blast. High five to sharing God's love in your communities. From all of us here at One Church, we so look forward to more times like this this holiday season. Here at number three, if you haven't already heard, this summer our outpost in Rutland, Vermont underwent renovations, which means people gathered for worship services outside. But because of big, bold prayers and a lot of hard work, I'm excited to share that the Rutland Outpost recently opened its doors and shared in a sweet time of worship. This huge high five goes out to every helping hand and thank you to everyone for their faithful giving. If you're in the Rutland, Vermont area, come visit One Church on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. In at number two, participants of Rooted have been on a journey together, growing, connecting, and serving. One group recently served with our local outreach partners, Do You Know Him and Rise Again Ministries. They served breakfast, provided clothes, and talked to people about Jesus. Way to go, Rooted Groups, and high five to our local partners who are dedicated to sharing God's love with our neighbors during these winter months. And finally, up at number one, Michelle attended our Manchester Outpost last Sunday and found herself ready to respond to what God was calling her to do and be baptized. Michelle claims the truth that her identity is in Christ, and we're all celebrating that with her today. High five, Michelle. Thanks for joining us for our high five, and I can't wait to celebrate with you in the next one. The church can like pretend it's not weird to talk about money and just start talking about money, but then the people who attend are still gonna be like, why are they always talking about money? It's a, like a huge culture change that's gotta happen. If like I got laid off because of COVID initially, so I didn't have any funds coming in. I got laid off again because he decided to close down one of the locations at work. If God's entrusted me with this, however much this is, why wouldn't I continue to give? Like, if I need more, he'll give me more. Like, the last time I got really penny-pinchy about it, he sent uh, a stimulus. <laughs> like, right when I was, like, on the website ready to go, I was like, mm, maybe I'll stop. And then I prayed about it, and then, like, two weeks later, I got a stimulus, and I didn't know about it. So I was like, okay, <laughs> I'll be okay. It's not something where I give, and I'm immediately like, ah, I'm rejuvenated. Life is good again. I give joyfully, but I don't give to get joyful. It's freeing, not in a reckless freeing, like I'm just gonna throw caution to the wind and do whatever, but like I don't have to worry. Like my confidence is not found on the earth. It's found in Jesus' name. Everything's paid for. I know how this book ends. I just gotta wait for the last pages. Everything else is secondary. Our God is good. 
Our God is good, and he calls us to, he's a generous God, and he invites us to join him in his generosity. And the truth is, we're made in his image, and the fact that God is generous means, and we, us being made in his image means that there's this generous nature in us. Um, and so over the next uh, couple of weeks, we're going to talk about money, but in a, maybe in a way that you haven't heard before, maybe you have, I don't know. Um, but ways in which God wants to free us in a, in, in a lot of ways in our lives. Uh, but I'm going to start with prayer. We all pray with me. Father God, I thank you for everyone here this evening. Lord, I pray that right now it might be way more about you than about any of us. Lord, that it may not even be about a guy on the stage, but Lord, your people here right now in the midst of life. And Lord, we all walk in with things, and Lord, I pray that in some way far beyond me that you might speak to our hearts, that we might hear something from you that you want us to hear. So, Lord, I pray that you guide us in this time. It's your name we pray. Amen. So we're starting a new series. <clears throat> starting a new series, and it's called, it's called Believe. But if you ever look at the word believe, you'll notice that the word lie is like right in the middle of the word believe. I've never seen that before. You guys, did you guys ever realize that in the, middle of, in the middle of the word believe is the word lie? And it made me think about that sometimes there's lies that we come to believe that start to shape us. And it could be like something that was said to you as a child, very young. It could be something that like school classmates had like told you, um, a father, a mom, someone else, like, like very early, or to, to be honest, it's, it's how we, what, what we view about ourselves. And so when I think about this idea of believe is that sometimes there's lies that we believe and they start to shape who we are and we start to build our whole lives around, um, around those type of beliefs that aren't really true. And I think Jesus is always trying to free us from those, that God in his grace is always trying to help us see those lies and to be able to get rid of those lies so that we can actually live in freedom. So maybe you're here this evening and, and there's something in your life where you don't have freedom. And I'm certainly, like in probably in all of our lives in some ways, there's something that you're worrying about, something that's, that, that's got you, something that, you've, you've, that, that you're like holding on to. And I, I really do believe Jesus will say, when, I've come, when I came, I came to give you life and to give you life to the full. And so part of that means is like tearing down some of these lies that we, we buy, buy into. And one of the lies that I think that we buy into is this idea of money and how money is going to solve all our, our problems. And what's so, I think what is so like tricky about money is that it does solve problems, right? That money does solve problems. Like if you have financial problems and you get a little bit of money, you're like, okay, praise the Lord. Like you've all been in that spot. Like praise the Lord, money does solve problems. But what can happen is we can start to make it like, we, we can start to make it the thing that's going to solve all of our problems all of the time. Um, and when in reality, I think the best thing that I could say to you this evening is that there's a God who knows you, who created you, who loves you, who wants to be in relationship with you right now at this very moment, no matter what you've done, no matter who you are, no matter what's been done to you, he wants to be in relation with you at this very moment. And there is nothing that you can chase, nothing that you can run after in this world that can actually bring satisfaction, like understanding that and knowing that, that you were loved by God and that you can walk with God. What a strange concept that the creator of the universe, the creator who made you, wants to know you, that there's not some distance between you and him, that, that, that he wants to know you and walk with you right now. But what happens, I think, in my life, I've seen happen, and probably in all human lives, is there's things that become attractive to us. There's things that entice us. There's things that woo us, and they become these little gods to us if we're not careful. Um, and so our memory verse, every sermon series, we do a memory verse. And so as we go through believe and we talk about these lies that we start to believe, uh, it's from Romans chapter 1. 
And I would encourage you, you just go home and read Romans chapter 1 and through 3. It's a, it starts out heavy. If you read the book of Romans, it starts out heavy um, because it, be, it begins by this human predicament that we have of trying to find satisfaction in something other than God. And what happens is, I, what, I, what, what is the easiest that happens is I become God, and so I start to run after all my desires and wants. Um, but this is what Romans chapter 1, verse 25 says. It's gonna, can you put it up on the screen? It's going to be up on the screen in a second, and we're going to say it together. Because it talks about a horrible exchange that we sometimes make as human beings. It talks about there's a God who wants to walk with us and know us and give us life and give us life to the fullest. And he says, I want you to trust me in this. and I want you to walk with, me, walk with me in this. But what I have done sometimes in my life is I exchange what I know about God. I exchange that type of love for something else and I start to run after it. And, and I get down on this dead end street and I'm like, what in the world am I doing? How did I end up here? And we've all probably all have been here at some point. And so we're going to say that together. It's here on the screen. Will you say this together with me? Say it loud in this beautiful building. Here it goes. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. It's going to get us in trouble every time. There's a God who created this world. There's a God who created this beautiful creation. And what can happen is we can start to start to worship and start to give our, our honor and start to give our attention and energy and money to chasing these things rather than him. It's a bad exchange. There's this guy named Solomon. He wrote a book called the book of Ecclesiastes. It's in the Old Testament. It's one of my favorite Old Testament books. I don't know why, but I do know why. Because I think it speaks so much to our hearts. I think it speaks so much to the human heart. And here's what I mean by that is I see myself in it. I see this guy named Solomon who's chasing a lot of things, trying to find meaning in a lot of things. And I think that's the human I think that's the human thing. We're trying to find meaning. Where can there be meaning? And so Solomon in Ecclesiastes, he, he goes out on this quest. I, I don't know what else to call it other than a quest. He, he, he goes out in life to say, where can I find meaning in this world? And he says it in this way. He says it uh, under the sun, which he means apart from God. He's saying, in this world, and it is, it is your classmate's question. It is like your co-worker's question. It's the people that you know. It's their question. It's where can I find meaning? Where can I find purpose? Where can I find significance in this world? And so what you know about Solomon is that or you may, may or may not know about Solomon, is, what, is that he's the son of David. David was the king of Israel, a mighty king of Israel, had built this, this massive kingdom, or God through him had built this massive kingdom, and then Solomon is his son who's inherited this kingdom, and so there's many avenues that Solomon will go through. Are we trying to fix the lights here? <clears throat> there's many avenues that Solomon will go through um, in order to... <laughs> Sorry, I I'll wait till we're... There we go. Good? Okay. So there's many things, sorry. So there's many things that Solomon will go through in order to say, where can I find meaning? And so the first thing he goes after is he goes after, he goes after power. And as a king, he says, you know, I, I, I became king. I had all of this power. He says, here's the problem I learned about power. And you might, you, for you, it might be popularity. For me, you might be something else. He says, here's what I learned about it. He says, I'm going to die, and someone else is going to get my kingdom. I'm going to die and someone else is going to get my kingdom. And therefore, no matter what it is I have built, whatever, no matter what name I have attained for myself, someone else who bears my name is going to take it over. And I'm not sure if he's a knucklehead. I'm not sure what I'm handing off to him. I'm not sure if he's going to take it and destroy it. And he says, the problem with running after power is that I can't keep it. I can't hold it because even if I can hold it my entire life, I am going to die. And that's a problem. So he runs after knowledge. 
He runs after wisdom. He tries to get as much information as he possibly can. He says, I, I sought to learn everything I could under the sun. And Solomon would become one of the wisest men. Someone would say, wise King Solomon. Like He became one of the wisest men to ever, who, ever have lived. But he says, at the end of all my information gathering, there was still this problem, the same problem that you and I will face and that he faces. Like, I'm going to die and there's no much data collection I could get. There's no much information I could gather that could keep that from happening. And so he says, if that is true, then what, what is with all this chasing of wisdom in this world? Where's the meaning in it? He says he ran after pleasure, which I think tends to be one of our cultural things. We like to run after pleasure, and pleasure can get us in trouble a lot of ways. He says, I, I denied myself nothing that my eyes saw. He got after it. He got after it. I mean, the guy had like a thousand wives and I think 700 wives, 300. He, he had, he went after every, he said, I denied myself nothing that my eyes saw. I went after it. And he says, the problem with, the problem with pleasure that we all know is that it's good for a moment, but then it eventually goes away. So you need a little bit more pleasure. I mean, you fill in what your pleasure is, but, but it goes away and it never is quite satisfied. So then he's the guy, he says, oh, well, I, 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 perhaps it's wealth. Perhaps wealth is the pursuit. And Solomon would become the, the, the wealthiest man of his time to the point where foreign dignitaries are coming to see him to just look at his wealth. And he says that the, the same problem with wealth is that death is the great end all. And so he says, what is it that makes life? And then I look at my life and I look at our world and I look at the things that we chase. And it's all those things, isn't it? We chase all those things, power, wealth, popularity. We chase all of those things, notoriety. We, we chase wisdom, perhaps, on, at, our, at our best days. Like, Lord, get us, help us to get more wisdom. And, and yet, all of these things, he'll say, under, under heaven, apart from God, they will not bring satisfaction. And so God will speak to our hearts about, about money because it's one of those things that we chase. And you're like, man, I'm tired of the church talking about money. And I would pose this idea is that maybe the reason why the Scripture talks a lot about money is not because God needs money, because he doesn't. Maybe it becomes this idol in our lives that we think that it's going to bring us happiness, and so we pursue it with everything that we have. And a lot of, a lot of messes are made in that process, and he's trying to say, look, the thing that you're running after to try to bring solution is not going to do it. And so there's this lie. So the first thing we're going to kind of tackle is this lie, and the lie is that more money is going to bring more happiness. And, and I don't know about you, but there's been many times in my life I'm like, I don't know about that lie, but I'm willing to try it. <laughs> like, like, bring me a little bit more money and let's, let, me, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me do this test. Like, like maybe, maybe I'm, I'm willing to go after it. Um, isn't, there, isn't there a lottery coming up? There's a, there's a big one. There's a billion, a billion points. I don't even know what it is and I don't know when it is, but, but, but like, there's always this, oh, I, you know, it, deep in the back of our minds, you're like, man, money, ah, it, it can't bring happiness, but, but man, I'm willing to give it a, I'm willing to give it a try. Um, but Solomon will say it's not going to. It, money, more money does not bring more happiness. Have you ever listened to something in church and you're like, yeah, this isn't really my problem. Have you ever, you ever into that? Like, yeah, this isn't really my, I'm not really sure how this, how this applies. So I was working on this message, and, and I'm thinking about money. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I know for some of us, money is, the th is, is your thing, and you're chasing after it. But I'm like, I don't, I don't really know if money's my, I'm, I'm a pretty satisfied guy. Like, as far as, 
Like, I, I, I don't worry too much in that regards. But, and, and so I'm thinking through it. I'm like, well, money. What are we talking about money? And then the ticking in my ears told me otherwise. The ticking ears, you see, I have, a, I, I, I realize, because I, I work at my desk at, at, at my house, and, and I'm a watch guy. And sitting next to my desk is this, like, tree of, of watches. <laughs> and I'm... And I'm writing. I'm working on this message. I am not lying to you. I am working on this message. And I'm like, I don't think I have a problem with money. I don't think I have a problem with possessions. I don't think I have a problem of chasing things, thinking that somehow they're going to bring me happiness. And then, and then I hear ticking in my left ear. I literally hear ticking in my left ear. And so it got me thinking, maybe there is a problem. And you're like, yeah, there's a problem, John. Like, like, I'm like, maybe there is a problem. Maybe there is something that I'm chasing. Maybe I am trying to find happiness in something else. Because when I started, I started liking watches. And, and when I started liking watches, what I started to realize is like, man, I, there's always one more watch that I need. There's always one more. And, and so, and I'm a nerd, so I'll like YouTube it. Stupid YouTube will get me in trouble all the time because there's all these, all these things where you can watch people talking about the next watch and all of this thing, all the stuff it has. And, 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 and like, and I'm like, okay, just one more watch. I need just, just, just one more watch. Just one more watch. And, and then I can stop. Then, then I will be satisfied. Just one more. Just one more. And, and then I will finally be happy. You know what? I, every now and then I will get that watch. And, and then I'm like, okay, just one more watch. Just one more watch, and then I'll be happy. And then, and then, so I'm thinking about this, and I'm thinking about my life, and I'm assuming because you're a human being, you go these, through these things too. And maybe it's not watches, but maybe it's something else where you say, just one more, just one more paycheck, just one more raise, just one more job, just one more, um, just one more truck. Oh man, trucks. Just one more truck. Just one more, just a little bit of a bigger house. Just a little bit of bigger, I mean, you fill in the blank of what yours is, but there's just, one, just a little bit more clothes. Just, just, just one more. And what I realized is that, that what God is saying in the midst of the predicament of just one more, he's saying, John, it's never going to satisfy you the way you think it might. This is what Solomon says. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 10 through 12. This is filled with such wisdom. Just go read Ecclesiastes. But Ecclesiastes 5 is where he starts talking about wealth. And he says things that are so simple, so simple, but so filled with wisdom. You ever stare at wisdom and you're like, that is so simple. I believe it with my whole heart. I'm struggling to live it, but I believe it. But this is what he says. He says, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves money, whoever loves money, who's ever obsessed with money will never have enough. Whoever loves wealth will never be satisfied. This is a guy who's lived it. This is a guy who's attained it all. This is the guy who's gathered as much as anybody could have. And you know, the truth is I've heard people's testimonies. I've heard of people who have gained it all financially and they walk, they, they, set a, they step aside from their wealth and say, yeah, I'm not sure if that exactly, I'm not sure that I could exactly find meaning in that. Anyone who loves money will never have enough. Anybody who has wealth will never be satisfied. And then he goes on to say this. He says, as goods increase, man, I have felt this. As goods increase, so do those who consume them. I got five kids. And what I've realized, as, as, as things increase, oh my word, their mouths get bigger and their wants get bigger. And then I'm like, I blame my kids for that. But you know what I realized? As the money increases, so does my consumption. You ever realize that? Any of you ever realize that? Any of you like, remember when you were a kid? And you're like, oh, if I... Uh, if I could make this amount, if I could make this salary, man, I'd be, I'd be good. And then you get older, and, and maybe you're making that, and maybe you're making beyond that your salary, and you look back and you're like, man, I was so naive and dumb back then because I could never live off that anymore. And what happens is it keeps changing. 
It keeps changing because we keep consuming. And I, like, I, don't, I was about to say I don't blame us, but what I would say is it's a struggle for us is because we live in a culture that, that is all about consuming, and, and we, we live in this world that's all about consuming, and so we're in the middle. We're fish in the middle of water, like saying, like, don't get wet. I, that was a dumb, I don't, maybe that made sense. I don't know if it made sense. Um, as goods increase, so do those who consume them. And what benefit are they to their owners except to feast their eyes on them? The sleep of a laborer is sweet. Whether they eat little or much, but as for the rich, their abundance permits them no sleep. You see, what Solomon will say about money is, is money is insufficient. They will never, if, if you love money, he's not anti-money, by the way. We, we can do that sometimes. He's not anti-money. He says whoever loves money, whoever is obsessed with money, it will never be enough. And I think he's given us wisdom. He's saying, I want you to know from the gate. I want you to know from the starting line, if you love money, if you love wealth, it's never going to be enough. You're never going to be satisfied, which means, okay, maybe there's a different pursuit that I'm supposed to run after than money. It's, there's something insufficient in it. There's something incomplete in it. He asks this question. He says, uh, after you've amassed all of these things, what does the owner do except to feast their eyes on them and like, does this make sense as I'm saying, I've only got two wrists, right? That's a problem for me. I, I, I don't know, it'd be weird if I had more, but, but that, that's a problem. I only got two wrists. And it'd be weird if you wore, this is absurd, and the point was this is absurd. Um, but I thought like you only got one wrist, uh, one wrist that you're going to wear a watch on. And so what do I do with all of the others? Well, they sit at my house and they take beautiful songs to me, I suppose. And I can stare at them, but they're not accomplishing much. There's something incomplete about our possessions. There's something... There's something insecure about our possessions. He says this beautiful phrase. See if this makes sense to you. This, is, this was just pure wisdom to me as I was thinking through it. As he said, he says, the sleep of a laborer is sweet. I'm like, what are you talking about, Solomon? The sleep of a laborer is sweet. He's saying, he's saying the, the person who goes out there and works hard and is, is working hard and they're, at the end of the day, they're exhausted. And they're so exhausted that when they go to bed, man, they fall asleep like a baby because there's nothing else. And they can, they can sleep because they need it. And, and so maybe they don't have the wealth and maybe they don't have it all, but man, they are sleeping because it's, it's so sweet. But it goes on to say, but not so the sleep of the wealthy. They're stuck all night worrying about what's going to happen in the financial news, in the financial world, what's going to happen. Any, any far parkers? You don't have to answer, but I was thinking about that. It's a phrase I thought of this morning, far parkers. Anybody who parks very far away because you're worried about your, your car, you're like, oh, man. And I, I've been there. I've been, not with the car side, but with, with things. I was scared to even wear these on my wrist because you know what happens is they cling around with each other. And so I'm sleeping through the night, not sleeping through the night. I'm like, I wonder if I can wear them all because I wonder if they're all going to get scratched as they're bouncing to each other. <laughs> the sleep of a laborer is sweet, but not someone who's worried about all their possessions because they're worried more money we think more money is going to bring more happiness more money brings more worry more anxiety can I say just he begins with whoever whoever and, and usually when you hear something about money and wanting money we can often think of those who are like wealthy and are just trying to attain more we think of that that side of things. But then I realized that the whoever, it doesn't just mean the wealthy, it, it can also be the poor who are obsessed with money. It can be the, the, those who are in need of money that, they, that, that, that becomes their savior if they could just get that raise, if they could just get that job, if they could just, and, and I get it, I understand it, but, but it's, I think what Solomon is saying, it's never going to be enough. 
So the truth is, more money means nothing. Like on a very like simple level, like money is weird. Money is weird, isn't it? Money is weird in the sense that it only has the value. It's a piece of paper that only has the value that we attach to it. And I thought about it in terms of time. Because watches and time, time is kind of like that too. We're like, we assert some type of value to it and we mess around with it. We messed around with it today. We changed time today. We said time, like you don't really matter all that much. And so we're just going to shuffle you up a little bit and, and make our, our watches go backwards because somehow we've said the time, like, like there's something, there's something elusive about time. There's something like kind of loose about money. And so if you're giving your whole life to something that's loose and, 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 and doesn't have value in and of itself, Self, Solomon say, oh, man, I don't know if that's a good bet. I don't know if that's a good trade. I don't know if that's a good exchange. He goes on to say this. He says, um, I've heard a grievous evil under the sun. Wealth hoarded to the harm of its owners or wealth lost through some misfortune so that when they have children, there is nothing left for them to inherit. Everyone comes naked from their mother's womb. And as everyone comes, so they depart. They take nothing from their toil that they can carry in their hands. You came naked as a baby, you're going to leave with nothing. You came with nothing, you're going to leave with nothing. Like, we've heard this, right? This is, a lot of it, it's coming from Solomon. Like, you can't take it with you when you go. And so he goes on to say this. This is, too, a grievous evil. As everyone comes, so they depart. And what do they gain since they toil for the wind? All their days they eat in darkness with great frustration, affliction, and anger. Solomon is talking to us about money. He says, I've seen a grievous evil. And he says, I've seen wealth hoarded. Wealth hoarded to the harm of its owners. And I sat back as I was thinking about that. And I'm like, that's not what I expected to hear. He says, I've seen a grievous evil, wealth hoarded to the harm of its owners. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense to me. Because I was thinking about hoarded wealth. And I was thinking about hoarded wealth is, I have a lot of wealth, there's people around me who might have need, I'm going to hoard my wealth, and I'm not going to meet their needs, and that's going to bring harm to them. So I would expect, I would anticipate that hoarded wealth brings harm to other people. But that's not what Solomon says, and so I'm intrigued by that. What does he mean, hoarded wealth brings harm to its owners? And I realized that it might, in fact, it, it might have an impact on those outside of my periphery, but what Solomon is saying, no, when I'm hoarding wealth, it's actually harming me. I'm like, what wisdom is Solomon trying to tell me here? And there's only one thing that came to mind. What came to mind was Ebenezer Scrooge. And like, not really. What really came to mind was, was, was Scrooge McDuck, but same, same difference. <laughs> And I thought, about, I thought about Ebenezer Scrooge, and I thought about that story, how he does not seem like a happy man. He does not seem like a man who, who has life figured out. He seems like a man who's harmed by his own hoarding. He seems like a man who's harmed by his own desires that somehow have gotten hold of him. This, he, Solomon says, I've seen a grievous evil, wealth hoarded to the harm of its owners. Could it be that... So, so our, our view of money affects people. Our view of money, how, how you view money and how I view money affects people. And we often would think of it in terms of it affects the people that I'm not serving or giving my money to. But what Solomon will say, well, that might be true, but ultimately it affects my heart. Because if I love so money so much that I just want to hold on to it and I just want to make it my God and I want to, to bow down to it and I want to, to give my life to it, like I, 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 it's going to bring harm to my heart. But I think what spoke to me more in the midst of this passage 
was that not only does it affect my view of money, affect, my, uh, affect other people, but it affects my purpose. And so think through this with me. Solomon will say this. Our purpose. Think about your purpose. What is, your pur- what is our purpose? Like if I had to ask you like, like right now, you don't have to answer me, but if I, if I were to ask you, like, what is, is your purpose? We, we get lost. and money, money messes this thing up. Money, money muddles this, this purpose. Solomon will say this. <clears throat> we came with nothing. We will leave with nothing. From the womb to the tomb. There's not, like, we, we were born with nothing. We will leave with nothing. So that, that's intriguing. That's intriguing. Because what's intriguing is what's the middle? What do I do with the middle? Where do I, where, what do I pursue? What is my purpose in the middle? And so we do things with our kids where we say, kids, <clears throat> we want you to go to a good school and get good grades so that you can get into a good college so that you can get that good college so that you can get a good career that pays a good amount of money so that you can get a good house and so that you can keep moving kind of this money thing going forward. And what Solomon is saying, well, all of that is going away as you go away. And so, so what are we doing in the middle? When we go to work, when you go to work, <clears throat> You could go to work for a paycheck, right? You could go spend your day, for, you could go to school to, to work to get a, a, a good salary, or you could go to work tomorrow to, to get, get income, to get, to get money. But there's something finite about that money. It's not going with us. And so if the purpose of your day tomorrow is wisdom for money, or if the purpose of your day tomorrow is work for money, then we've set our purpose on a goal that isn't going to accomplish it, but what if, uh, accomplish anything past eternity. So it's okay, so what is our purpose? What if our purpose is back at the beginning, that there's a God who loves you? That there's a God who came in flesh to give his life for you? So that in him, not in things, in him, not in power, in him, not in wealth, in him, not in popularity, so that in him you could find joy, find life, and find life to the fullest, find meaning and purpose. And you're like, okay, well, where is that purpose? Well, well part of it is the part, of, part of the joy of what God has given to us is that he meets me in the dummy that I am. He meets me in my mess. He meets me in my sin. And he says, I can forgive that. I can, I can release you from that because a lot of us, are, we walk around in guilt and shame and like, oh, I'm never going to measure up. He says, I can release you from that, that, that though your sins are like scarlet in me, I can make them as white as snow. And sometimes that's hard to believe that you could leave this place completely guilt-free. Like, <laughs> some, like, some of us would be like, I, I don't even believe that that could be true. And he's like, no, you could leave this place right now, at this very moment, guilt-free, like walking away and saying, I am free, like I am completely clean. Like, and so that is amazing in and of itself. But there's, okay, so where is purpose? purpose in that? Well, here's the purpose in that. We get to go to school tomorrow, or we get to go to work tomorrow, and there's people all around us who are chasing money, wealth, power, fame, and all of these other things, and, and what Solomon is saying, hey, they're never going to be happy. They're never going to find fulfillment, but I'm going to put you there. I'm going to put you at your work tomorrow so that you can take the message of Jesus to them so that they can find life and, and life to the full and, and fulfillment in them, and so all of a sudden, I've got a purpose because there is people. So I'm thinking about just one more, and I'm thinking about just one more, just one more, just one more, just one more, and I thought, what if the purpose tomorrow is one more person who is set free from the guilt that they've been carrying around. One more person set free from 
thinking that they're never going to measure up, thinking that life is, they're never going to be sufficient for life. And Jesus is saying, no, I want to set you free. What about the, the person who's like carrying all of this bitterness or unforgiveness? And Jesus is saying, no, you can let that go. You can let me be their judge and you can release that to me and you can walk away free. What if the one more, the just one more is the prayer that we pray? Lord, give me one person every day to share your love with. And that becomes my purpose. You see, my view of money will shape my purpose. It'll, it'll shape my perspective. He goes on to say, he goes on to say um, that someone who's obsessed with, with money or wealth or all of these things, because I wouldn't hold any of them like we each might have our own little struggle. But he goes on to say this, when those become our focus, verse 17, it says, all their days they eat in darkness with great frustration, with affliction and anger. It does not sound like a happy life. And there is a mess of people, me at times included, and probably you included, that have seen the failure of all of these things in our lives and said, God, God, there's got to be something more than these. So here's the reality. Here's what we can believe, is that more Jesus will bring more happiness. More Jesus in your life will bring more happiness. There's this interesting way that Solomon ends this section, or that we end this section. He says, this is what I've watched. This is what I've observed. Which... There's this phrase that I held on to since I was pretty young. He says, and I haven't necessarily lived it out, but it says, a wise man a wise man learns from their own mistakes. A wiser man learns from the mistakes of others. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that's smart. I want to learn from the mistakes of others. And Solomon is saying, I want you to learn. I want you to hear. I want you to hear my mistakes. He says, this is what I've observed. This is what I've looked at. This is what I've observed to be good that is appropriate for a person to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their work. It's appropriate for a person to, to find joy in going to work tomorrow, to find satisfaction in, in the fact that God has enabled you to work or to have a job. He says, I want you to find satisfaction in their toilsome labor under the sun during the few days that God has given them, for this is their lot. Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions, which he does, which he can, he says, and the ability to enjoy them. You see, sometimes I think what we do in the church is we try to kill joy. We think somehow we're holier people if we're just sad all the time. You've seen, have you seen that? Like if we're just sad and miserable all the time, that is a, that is a tragedy to the message of Jesus. Jesus, like, like, no, God gives enjoyment. Like, for Pete's, I don't know how many times I said for Pete's sakes today, we live in a beautiful world. Like, like, if you can't enjoy waterfalls and mountains and oceans and, and little kids, like, like, what in the world? Like, like, all of the, all of the things that we're, that God has given to enjoy, like, what am I trying to say? Have fun, church. Be joyful, church. Be happy, church. Like, um, to accept them in their lot and be happy in their toil. This is a gift from God. And then verse 20, verse 20 is like the ribbon, it's the bow on the end of it all. He says, they seldom reflect on the days of their life because God keeps them occupied with gladness of heart. That's how I wanna die. <laughs> Like, that's really, like, I'm being serious. Like, that's how I want to die. Like, they, 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 seldom, like, they seldom care about the worries of life because, they, because God has filled them with gladness of heart. And I realize, where have I heard this? I've heard this. And Jesus will say this. He says, I don't want you to worry. This is, I'm a worrier. This is what he says to you, maybe you're a worry. He says, I don't want you to worry about what you're going to eat. I don't want you to worry about what you're going to wear. I don't want you to worry about what, where you're going to sleep. Now, there's something in my mind that says, that's ridiculous. Those are the three things I'm supposed to care about, particularly if I have kids. And like, how in the world, Jesus, can you say this? Jesus, Jesus will say, I don't want you to worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, where you're going to sleep. He says, the world runs after these things. 
Well, here's what I want you to do. I want you to seek first my kingdom. I want you to seek first me. The only place that you will surely find happiness and joy is in me. Then he says this weird thing that we often have changed into this health and wealth gospel. He's like, and all of these things will be given to you. Solomon says, this is what I've observed. Find joy with Jesus in everything that you do. And really that's the offer for you and me today is there's this lie I can believe that more, more, more is going to make me happy. And that test run has not worked well in my life. My guess is it hasn't worked well in your life. More, 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 more is going to make me happy. It's not. It doesn't mean anything. The more doesn't mean anything apart from Jesus. And so where real life comes from is in him. And he, he extends that to you right now at this very moment to know him and to walk with him. Jesus, the way he made all this happen is he has a meal with his disciples in the upper room. And you can grab your communion if you have it. And he takes bread and he says, this is my body that's given to you. God of creation. The God of creation. How, how does this all happen? He says, I'm going to die for you. Such a, strange, uh, such a strange idea that the almighty God, power of the universe, would die for me. But he says, that's what I've done. I've come to die for you. My life for you. And so he says, whenever you do this, I want you to do this in remembrance of me. And so we take to our king. He says, this is, this is symbolic of my blood poured out for you. And whenever you do this, you're saying yes to me. You're saying, you, you are my king, Lord. You are, you are what I'm chasing. You are what I'm longing for, Lord. You are the only one that can satisfy the thirst of my life. And so I, I, will, I will bank my life on that. And so we take to our king. We all stand with me? Maybe you're here today and like me, you've been, you, you chase stuff. You've been running in the wrong direction and you've got a whole, you're, you're doing it well. Like you're, you're running in the wrong direction and, and God is saying, no, come back to me. You can find life in me. You can find fulfillment in me. If there's, if there's anything you need prayer for in your life, may you, uh, may, uh, Jamie and Luke are down here and I'll be over here. And if there's ways that we could pray for you, we would love to do that. Um, anything we could pray for in your life. But then I also want, to, I want you to know that, that if God is stirring your heart to, to give your life to him, to be baptized into him, uh, the baptistry behind me is, is filled. We fill it now every, every Sunday evening so that um, as God wants to stir your heart, you can say, okay, I'm, I'm in. Like, I'm done of the rat race. I'm done of chasing it all. I want to find real and true life in Jesus. Um, you're invited to do that this evening. We're going to sing a, a couple more songs. And, and as we do, if that's something that you want to do, I'll be down here in the front and we can talk through it. We all pray with me. Lord, you are enough. And sometimes, Lord, it takes us a very long time in our lives to come to that conclusion that you are enough. And so whatever things we're chasing, whatever we're looking to hold on to, Lord, I pray that we might release it and take your beautiful, wonderful hand that's extended to us and say yes, that you are enough and you are sufficient. In your name we pray, amen.